Welcome to Freestyle Thoughts, a dance podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and this is episode seven. Today's a special episode. I am joined by a good old friend and fellow dancer, Serene Perry. And today we are just having a conversation about cultural dance, Kathak specifically. And by conversation, I mean that I was enlightened. <laughs> I was educated. And it was a great opportunity for me to learn about something new. Serene, recording with you was wonderful, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome, Serene, to Freestyle Thoughts. Um, if you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Hi, Anna. <laughs> so I'm Serene. I am a friend of Anna's, and we've been friends for a very long time, uh, since middle school. And she and I really bonded over dance because I am a classical Indian dancer. I have been training in a style called Kathak since I was five years old. Um, and I could talk for hours about Kathak. And I guess that's the point of this podcast. I love it so much. And um, beyond that, I am also in medical school. And that's kind of my entire life because as a medical student, you don't really have time for much else. I think people think that I'm crazy for making time for dance at all. But I can't not. I love it too much. So that's me. That's my life is school and dance. And that's kind of it. Hey, I mean, mental mental health is also important. Um, mental we, and physical health. We make time for that. You know? Actually, you know what? Dance is the mental and physical health component of my entire life right now, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, it keeps me, you know, those, those couple of hours every week where I have rehearsal and it pulls me away from my computer and my Anki cards and the library and my studying, it really keeps me sane and grounded. So, you know, that is the mental and physical health component. Same. Honestly, same. Like whenever I've taken like breaks from dance, my mental health just goes <laughs> like down the toilet immediately. Hmm. It really does. <laughs> like I, it, I was talking to a friend the other day who's also in grad school. Actually, you know. Oh, of and, course she's um, in grad school. <laughs> she'll be there very soon and we were talking about how um like it's important when you're a student and you're working on something that can sometimes feel very demoralizing and make you feel really stupid to like have something that you can progress in and you can see your progress for a lot of people that's going to the gym or picking up a new hobby or something like that and for me working on dance training this like past couple of months and watching myself get better and better um, even after like having what 18, 19 years of training under my belt, like watching myself get better has been the thing that again keeps me grounded, keeps me healthy, keeps me sane. So it's, real. It's super important to have something like that. So real. Not just like even like in the like school perspective. Like I'm trying to go into the tech industry, right? And just like it's so yeah. bad right now. So like, like I don't have it. I don't have a job. So for me, dance has been like the one thing to kind of like, keep me going. Like it gives me. Yeah. It also like. You know, like, it's, it's the way I keep track of time also. It's, like, if I have to be somewhere, you know, because all the days kind of just blend together when you have such, like, a monotonous, like, schedule otherwise. Absolutely. When there's nothing going on and there's nothing else to focus on, it's really easy to just, like, fall into that pit of, like, what do I do next? And, and everything's awful. To, and everything's awful. <laughs> but, like, having something to focus on, something to do, something to put your energy towards, get better in. I, I completely hear you. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of answer my my next question, but when did you like? Okay, like, so there's like di there's like a difference between when did you start dancing and when did you like start dancing, right? Like, there's like because like you know like, like for you and me, 
and for a lot of people, it's like you know we're put, we're put we're put into this activity that we have we have no free will. We have no free will. Our moms no, drive us and drop us off. <laughs> we don't have thoughts. Um, so, but when did you like start? Like when did it get to the point for you that you're like, oh yes, this is something that I will continue to do, like with my free will. <laughs> And it's actually, that's the perfect way to answer, to ask that question. Um, because you're right. I started when I was five years old, but that was, it was literally just my mom taking me and my little sister and dropping us off at our teacher's house. And she had her studio in the garage of her house. And that was what we did on Thursdays. And I didn't have a choice in that. Your mom's like, see you in um, an hour. <laughs> so I, I literally, exactly. She'd sit outside and be like, you have fun in there. Um, but I've had a super interesting journey with Gatak. Um, So like I said, I started when I was five. And then that was when I lived in California. And then when I was 11, I moved, my family picked up and moved to Arizona for my dad's job. And I had an entire life in California, my best friends, my extended family, everyone's out there. And I was so angry at my parents for picking me up and moving me to Arizona. So my little 11-year-old rebellion was, mom, I know you like that I do Gatak, so I'm going to quit. And I just like crossed my arms and stomped my foot and I quit Gatak. And it was the biggest deal. But during that year, year and a half or whatever, um, until I was maybe 12 or 13 years old, I was always thinking about it. It was, it really is like my mom nowadays will say that Gutthuck is ingrained in my soul because I'm constantly like practicing footwork under the table and stuff like that. So that's what I was doing that entire year or two years that I had off. And then I was maybe 13, 14 when I went to my mom and I was like, actually, I want to find a Gatak teacher out here in Arizona. Um, so I found a teacher. A couple of years later, she merged with a studio in Chandler. And uh, ever since then, I've been with my teacher out in Chandler, Arizona, Gatak Kendra Performing Arts, uh, shameless plug. But I have been with her, uh, with Radhika G, since I was... 16 I think and I'm now 24 so I just it was really in middle school and then later in high school that I was like I was making the 45 minute drive by myself every single Sunday without fail to go to Gutbuck and then when I started college at ASU I didn't have a car my first year so I took another year off and again during that whole year it was all I could think about I was on the ASU Bollywood dance team but Bollywood dance is modern dance. It's very mm. different from classical dance. Mm. And I wanted to get back to my classical roots. So sophomore year of college, I went back and I haven't stopped since. Ooh, okay. So this actually... That's my very long-winded story, but um, it was a little bit older that I had the free will to be like, I want to keep doing this. I actually know a lot of people I've talked to when they were like, uh, like when they have like similar backgrounds to, to, to the two of us. Like I talked to somebody who... Um, like, like Wednesday, like she, we both like trained in Chinese dance together and she didn't, like she was, she recognizes the point, she answered that question by saying like it was university for her. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It, no, cause it, it really was a conscious decision in, during my sophomore year that I was like, I want to have my car on campus, not just for, you know, all the reasons a college student wants a car, but also because I wanted to be able to drive every single Sunday and go out to my dance class because I missed it. I missed my community. I missed my teacher. I missed my people. I missed dancing. Mm-hmm. And I ha- like having that structure that especially classical dance has that structure that you have to follow. Yeah. And it's not kind of just like willy nilly dancing, which nothing wrong with that. But it's just different. I find the, the classical stuff more fun. It's different. It is different. <laughs> Your mom's like, yeah, you quit. <laughs> 
<laughs> you quit. Exactly. I know. <laughs> it's like, sure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> As we both take sips of our coffee. Yeah. Whatever. We're both waking <laughs> up. <laughs> That's all right. This is waking me up. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm so I'm so ha- I'm so happy that you said that because I was like very much looking forward. I mean, I look forward to recording with with all of like my guests because otherwise it's just me in my room in the dark of night talking to myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like having someone to actually respond to me is it's great. But um, most of the people I've talked to, like obviously you and I know each other from like from school, and our school did not have a dance team. So like, we didn't. Mm-hmm. It's not like we both joined a club at school. That was like something dance related, and that's how we became friends. No, no, it was became nope. we became friends because we vibe with each other like, as like human beings, like at school. Yeah, and like a and lot. Then of, it just so happened that we were both dancers. Yeah, it was, it was, like sheer coincidence. And like um, a lot of the people I've been talking to, I've know I know them like through dance of some way. Like it's university, but oh. through dance. So like it's like different. Interesting perspectives. Yeah. So like I was just very excited because like also it's like because of the people that I know that I'm talking to that's from like through dance like I know more of like their back dance background I right and like the stuff that we like talk about tends to like either be like about Chinese like Chinese dance or like like K-pop hip hop whatever and it's mm. much more like it's something that I like know so I've actually been very excited to, to, for this episode because like I get to like learn something. <laughs> Instead of me like researching and being like, I don't know how how reliable is this website though, you know? <laughs> uh, the listeners can't see, but I'm doing my little happy dance because again, talking about Gatuck is my favorite thing ever. So I'm very excited to be here. Answer all your questions. Okay, so before we get into like the that the the meat of that, um I actually have a All right. Um so I have returned to my dance studio and clearly you have returned to yours. Um, mm-hmm. and you took more, you took less of a break than I did because I, um, I was away, like, I, I was out of state for university and then when I came back, right. I, I went back to a dance studio that I went to when I was in middle school, um, just because, like, I had various reasons. And, um, last I heard you were, like, dancing with, like, you know, like, high school kids still? Like? Yeah, actually. So I am of the older, like, no, I'm definitely, like, the oldest of the younger group at my school, I guess. We do have some, like, adults who have come back and started to learn, but these are, like... Moms. You know, moms, like, grandparents, they've mm-hmm. come and, and they're starting to learn and learning from the beginning. So of the people who have been in classes with me for a while, they're all in high school. Most of them are still in high school, um, a couple in college, but I'm definitely the oldest. Um, so. Which is, you know, it's interesting, but it's it's not that noticeable really in my experience really just because like when we're there we're all dancing we're all doing the same thing and they're a lot younger than me but they're at the same skill level oh maybe that's why and yeah so in in a lot of ways like it it balances out and we all like speak the same dance language and Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways I don't really notice the age difference um maybe I maybe with some of them I do but it honestly doesn't phase me all that much Interesting. Like I would say it for me, like it it doesn't face me too much. The only thing that really gets me is when they refer to like the kids who were like the really young kids when I was like in high school and middle school and they're like, Yeah, the older girls. I'm like, God, what am I to you then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yes, that that does happen. Um, and there is a little bit of like the older sister, quote unquote, oh, yeah. energy there where like, you know, they'll come and ask me for advice about school and this. A lot of them, you know, interested in medicine or interested in STEM. So in those, when I get those questions, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, I re- realize that you are now significantly younger than me. But when we're dancing, I don't notice it at all. It's very interesting because I mean, like maybe like Chinese dance is a very technical area like of dance it's like more it's like more technical than like one would think it is um it's same with tapak yeah like the technique that's required for like chinese dance is more akin to like ballet if anything so right right so it takes like a lot like so for people who don't know chinese dance that's it's kind of easy to imagine what kind of discipline it takes and like how like the like the level to get good is like it's like it's it's a higher bar to get good right um right and uh, so, like, for me, like, I've noticed that, like, these kids, um, like, there's a skill, there's a skill difference. That's fair. But, like, they, but these kids were also, like, dancing over, like, COVID and, like, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, other, like, yeah. factors, like, that, like, I don't know. I just, I definitely noticed, like, there's a skill gap in bet- for, between me and the other children. But, you know, same thing, like, the kids ask me for, like, advice. I'm like, what they, what, but, like, they're at early high school. So, like, they just can't, they just finish middle school kind of thing. Ah, okay. So, a lot of the girls I'm talking about are, like, junior, seniors. Oh, no, no. They're, like, older high school. I think that also probably makes a difference. Oh, for sure. Younger. There's a big difference between a freshman and a senior in high school. Oh, yeah. Like, these kids, (laughs) you might, you might shame me for my answer, but, um, um, I said to this child, but, uh, so I, um. This kid goes, oh, so should I take this research class or the theater class? And I was like, go for the research class. Don't take theater. You will have an awful time. (laughs) (laughs) My answer is always do what makes you happy. Because if you plan on doing something crazy like grad school or med school, you're not going to have time to do it later. So enjoy life now. But I mean, I asked, like, okay, like, do you have any other classes that you're going to be taking like for fun? Or is it like just theater? Because if it's in that case, don't ask, don't ask me. Um, but if you have another fun class lined up, don't take theater. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> if you have any, I was like, a theater kid, but yeah, exactly. That's okay. <laughs> but I'm like, but it's like, think about it. I'm like, okay, if you have any classes that you know are going to be really difficult, don't take theater. Tech week is not going to be fun for you. It's not. I say this as like, I wasn't a theater kid, but like listeners, let, let, let me give you, let, let us give you a quick reason on why I have such strong thoughts on this. And this is because I was forced to participate in the theater class that we were forced to take for two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a, that was an interesting class. And it was very different vibes from the people in theater who actually wanted to be there doing it with people who were forced to be in that class in oh, high yeah. school. Like, even like with just the, the, the people like, like, like the people that make up your class, like I had my experience, uh, so, like the first time we did it in like junior year, very different from senior year. I had a miserable time senior year. I like my uh-huh. mom would be like, "Oh, we have an appointment. When like when's the best time for me to take you out during Latin?" I guess, and I'm like, "No, no, I enjoy Latin class. Take me out during theater class." <laughs> mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I gosh, I forgot about those. those I wish I could forget. Classes. <laughs> no it's also it's just like a brief as a brief aside while we're still on this topic so our school had like you know like like midway through the year 
it was like I always had it midway through the year. Uh, it would be like these like 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 the parent teacher conferences. But you know, once you got the junior or senior year, you're leading the parent teacher conference. So it's not you really... had to lead your own parent teacher conference. It was so weird. And it's, it was weird because like your parents are just kind of there in the background. They they're existing. <laughs> so it's really just a conversation. They're just kind of vibing and watching you. It was I was like, why? This is a parent teacher conference. Why am I here? I why didn't, am I involved? In this? Honestly, I didn't mind it because I could speak very candidly with my teachers about my progress about stuff. Um, that being said, I remember it was always like, oh, you need to come with, up with like one thing that you did well, one thing that you did poorly, one thing you want to like improve is it for the following semester or whatever. But like when it came to Latin and Greek, I was already like, I was working ahead of the group yeah. and I was like, I don't know what to yeah. say. <laughs> I don't know what to say to you. And she was like, yeah, pass. Like, <laughs> but like for like, theater. You're fine. You're doing great. <laughs> but for theater, it was only like a class that we took for half of the year. So the following semester, we'll be taking a different arts class. Um, so that, I guess like that'd be like studio art in like junior and senior year. But like, yeah. so you get, so you get through the classes that you are going to be t- t- continuing to take through the rest of the year. You get to the theater teacher and you're like, I didn't do super hot, but there's nothing I could do to change that or improve because I'm done with your class now. Because <laughs> I'm done with your class now. <laughs> like, why were they even there? What was the point? Oh, yeah, that that did not need to be there. I guess there's no improvements to be made. You're right. <laughs> or especially senior year. It's like you you finish you finish drama class and then they're like, what do you want to improve? And I'm like, I'm never taking drama again, my friend. Like, <laughs> no, there's nothing to improve because it's never happening again. That's how I felt about studio art. I was like, I'm never drawing ever again. I'm not talented for this. After that brief aside, where we got very sidetracked by some high school, very, very is high school stuff. <laughs> okay, you know what? Let's get let's get into the to the one of the reasons why we're here. Um, so, as a kind of a, like in, like a segue into this, because instead of just being like, boom, um, like so, listeners will know that I've placed this episode uh, right after. So it's for you, I guess. I played this, I'm placing your episode right after my deep dive into Chinese dance history um, because I think Ooh, it's appropriate. Okay. It's like adjacent. It's like adjacent because you and I both, when we were talking about this episode, and I asked you like, "Hey, is there anything they want to like either explicitly avoid or talk about?" And you talk about like, "Oh, we want to talk about like, uh, like theory and history and all that fun stuff." And I was like, "You know what? I, I feel that. So let's so let's do that. Let's talk about it. Let's do it <laughs> about the history." I, anything you just, and just enlighten me all right let's go <laughs> so katak is a very ancient style of dance thousands of years old um and oh, i used to know this history really well but now i'm just going to kind of uh give a, a, a overview so it was originally done in temples and it started off as a religious dance um and katak there's a sanskrit word katha which means a story or storytelling so katak is a dance of storytelling and you can see that in pretty much every element. There are certain hand gestures that represent certain religious figures. So, for example, um, it's hard because of the audio medium, but putting your hands to the side like this will look is supposed to mimic this a flute. And Krishna, who is one of the Hindu gods, is known for carrying around his flute. And so you'll often see someone playing Krishna dancing like this or putting a hand on top of their head um, to mimic a feather, a peacock feather, because Krishna, again, will wear a peacock feather. Um, and all these different elements of stories that you're mimicking out with your body, whether it's with your feet, your hands, your hand gestures, um, the mudras are the very specific like hand gestures 
uh, with different finger positions that represent different things. So you have like a snake and a flower and a bumblebee and all these different things that you can represent with your hands. Um, so after it was done in temples, there was the whole history of the Mughals in India. Um, and the Mughals turned Kathak into kind of like a showcase type of dance. So you would have dancers who would come into the theaters and perform for people. And it was done like that for many years. And now Kathak kind of has the same reputation as, say, ballet, where you have schools and you learn the, the techniques, you learn the theory, and you present it on stage. Um, so that's a lot of how Kathak came to be. But the two main elements of Kathak are technique and storytelling. So you have the one side of Kathak where it's very technical. I have learned a lot about Hindustani music theory um, and, you know, how to... It, it's kind of like learning to read music, but in a completely different style of music. Um, understanding how the beats work, how the divisions of the beats work, how to count in these in these um, in, in these thal, they're called thals is the is the rhythmic cycles. And then there's also the expressive side where I, I'm showing on my face with my hands with my body, telling all these stories. Um, that is a very general broad overview but we can go into specifics about any of any of what i just said okay so you mentioned like okay well, i guess a brief aside before i get into my question like I, uh, like so the knowledge i have of chinese dance is mostly like kind of through passive intake i feel um like right like like we do like a, some part of traditional dance is like uh ethnic minority dances and obviously that's going to be more rooted in like that kind of like local traditions and customs, but like you right. learn about that, like more like I, I would say passive intake, right? Like there's this one like uh, walk that's supposed to like represent like in the, okay, I just finished talking about this, but like last episode, but like the die, there's like this die walk, uh, like uh, die style, um, and it's supposed to like meant like walking like through the water, so like kind of like you're kind of like wading through like, like a small like, streamer or whatever, and like, but like you're not like, when, but like when we're taught it, it's never there's like not necessarily like that story element, so that's why it's a lot of it's like you know passive intake. Um, mm. So I think it's very interesting that it sounds like there's more of like a you know an exp I, I know to some extent there's, there's it's a lot more like explicit like. Um, like active learning for or what you're talking about, like about like about, like the non-dance part of stuff. Like, um, I know, like, you showed me, like, a, like, a, when, like, on your phone, like, the notes of, like, how you were keeping count of, like... Yeah, whatever. like, notation is actually a huge part of what I spend my time learning. And I actually, I mean, I have my notebook. It just happens to be sitting on my desk right here. But, um, like, I have all sorts of pages in my notebook of... <sighs> keeping track of beats and pieces that I've learned and all sort all these things. Um, I was going somewhere with that. I just completely lost my train of thought. Okay. Oh, you were talking about active learning. There we go. That coffee's kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is something that we actually sit down. And especially when I was little, we used to have entire days that was just dedicated to like learning the history. My teacher would explain to me the history. That's so cool. um, and for me, actually, 
So I was, I'm Indian, but I was born in the U.S. My parents, my mom was born in the U.S. My dad moved when he was eight years old. I'm definitely like a little bit further away, like in the sense of like being basically second generation, right? Further away from the culture. I don't really speak Hindi. Um, and Kapak is one of the main ways that I feel like I connect with my culture. So, um, yeah, right. Because my, my family is not very religious. So the way that I know all of these religious stories is not because I grew up hearing them because these are the stories that my family practices or believes or whatever. I know them because I go to Kapak and I learn them and I perform them and I dance with them. So it's a unique relationship that I have with these characters and these stories um, and that, like, I'm not just learning the story, like, what happened. I'm not just learning that Radha and Krishna were a couple and they, they loved each other and they were devoted to each other, blah, blah, blah. But I'm acting out, like, Krishna being a mischievous little boy and, like, playing with Radha and throwing rocks at her to mess with her and Radha being shy. And, you know, you depict being shy by pulling her veil over her face and peeking out and all these little intricacies to understand like what these characters are feeling um, more than just this is what happened in the story ABCD, which I, which I find interesting. I think it's a, it's a unique relationship that I have with a lot of these stories. In Chinese dance, like I would say that like there are like storytelling elements, right? But it's not like a main like staple. Like there are some dances that mm-hmm. explicitly reference like one of like the four like main myths, I would say mostly it's more common for like green snake, white snake, kind of like there are a lot of dances that are like kind of mm-hmm. like that, and that's basically the story for that one is it's super simple. It's just like a, a, a white snake turns into a woman one day, saves a green snake, and then hijinks ensue subsequently when they're both turned into women. I love sto- I love <laughs> stories like this. I love I love I really do. <laughs> but what I'm just realizing is that when you were talking about storytelling, I was like, oh yeah. I thought so. I was like, "Oh yeah, Chinese dance has some of those." And then I thought about this one group dance that, like, when I was like record- before, I was l- looking super closely into like uh, these like four these four stories. I was like, um, "It's just it's one story about like a woman kind of like, sneaking into like, uh, a school, and she does this, like one motion that I'm thinking that this this kind of mostly represent like a butterfly kind of a thing, like flying past uh-huh. her, and that's how the dance opens. And now I'm realizing that's that that because like at the time I was like, "Oh, I have a feeling." Uh, at the time I, when I was recording the episode, I was like, oh, yeah, this probably references some sort of story. And, and, but I, I can't, I don't know if it's off the top of my head. I don't know. But if this one has a story, wouldn't be surprised. And now I can say that I'm pretty sure that story is, is like Butterfly Lovers. Because that, in that one, a woman sneaks into a school, falls in love with a dude. Um, dude is, uh, or like has like a friendship with this, with this like man. Man comes to visit his, mm-hmm. his friend who he thinks is also a fellow man. Turns out she's a woman. They fall in love. Oh no, she's engaged to another man. He dies. Um, like, like this man dies of, of, side, of sadness on the wedding day. The woman visits this man's grave, op- prays to the heaven to like for like this grave, his grave to open. The grave opens. Jumps into she jumps into the grave and out pops two butterflies. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Wait, that's so sad. <laughs> okay, all if you look up like it's beautiful, but also so sad. if you look up like the four great myths of like there's like four like main stories they're all about lovers being separated and or dying i feel like it's a common theme yeah i mean it is but it they're is all common. but they're all like that I, I would expect like an immortal pill somewhere <laughs> i guess not i guess they weren't creative enough to come up with those stories 
I mean, they exist. There's not one of the big four for some reason. I don't know. Sorry, that was compl- that was like a, a complete aside. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love hearing these stories. Um. Yeah. No, but it's very interesting. Like that that dance is the way. I, I think it's very unique that dance is the way that I'm learning all these stories because mm-hmm. a lot of people grow up and their family's religious and they they read the stories. And they discuss them with their family or at the temple or whatever it might be. And I didn't really have that. Yeah. So to learn about all these characters through this medium, it's a really interesting relationship I have with these stories. I, 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 I love it. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's really happy. cool. It's very special. And then there's also the, <laughs> the non-storytelling side of Gutbuck, the the technique side, which is equally as cool, honestly, because it's not it has nothing to do with storytelling and it's entirely about understanding music theory and understanding how to um, listen to the tabla, which is the drum that, that we are typically uh, associated with. It was typically mm-hmm. a tabla player with the live gatak dancer and understanding how to have that relationship with the live musician. And uh, there's a lot of math involved in terms of like composing a piece and making it fit in the right beats. So mm-hmm. It really, it's not just dance. It really makes me use my brain a lot, which is another thing that I appreciate. I love modern dance. I will always do a Bollywood dance and I have fun with it, but it doesn't work the brain muscles in the way that Gatak really does for me. I feel that like in Chinese dance, there's like, so, you know, K-pop, hip-hop, you're dancing to like, you know, modern, very modern music that you can hear on the radio, right? Um, Right. Uh, but for like Chinese dance, like you're, there isn't as much like, uh, like you're not thinking about like the necessarily the relationship of like the music to the dancer or, the, or like the uh, musician to the dancer in the same way. But like your Chinese dance, like has the music and traditional dance, like has like different, lots of like, different like layers. So like if you're right, so if you're thinking about like producing like, like modern music, you think of, there's like the vocal layer, then there's like the drum layer, then there's all like stuff in between, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, it's, if you visualize that similarly. For Chinese dance music, um, what you're paying attention to when you're dancing just like it's constantly changing. Like sometimes you're paying attention to the melody, and it's and this part, this part, this this section goes with the melody. Sometimes it's just it's beats. Sometimes it's something like in between, mm-hmm. like in, like within like the middle parts of the of the music. So it's like I don't know. Definitely works your brain. Maybe maybe it's just like a quirk of various classical dance. I think it is. Classical dance is always more technique heavy than anything else and um oh i had something that i was going to bring up why is my brain not working today (laughs) (laughs) yeah come on after all that (laughs) warm-up after all that warm-up i know maybe i need more coffee who knows um (laughs) but yeah there's an element to gatak that oh my gosh i'm completely having a brain fart right now I, I, I can't Anyways. help you in this, in this situation, unfortunately. You know, that's okay. It'll come back to me. Um, but that's like there's a lot of um, like footwork heavy. Mm-hmm. Footwork is one of the main hallmarks of Gatak. So mm-hmm. there's six styles of classical dance that come out of India and they all have their own characteristics and their own defining features. So the one that I really know best is Bharatanatyam comes out of the south of India and they're really well known for um, massive, expressive, expressive face, uh, faces and very heavy makeup. And they're known for sitting very low. 
So, um, and there's a term for it that I'm going to mess up, so I'm not going to claim to know it. <laughs> uh, but they, they sit very low. And I always say that Bhagavatam dancers have the strongest thighs of anyone I know because you're squatting for an entire piece. And it's very impressive. And with Kathak, so Kathak comes out of the northern part of India and a little bit of Pakistan too. And it, um, one of our hallmarks is rapid footwork. So when I get to class, my first thing that I do is five minutes of footwork to, at the speed of what I'm about to say, where each syllable I'm about to say is my foot hitting the ground. And that and that's literally how I start class. And then the other hallmark of Katak is rapid, rapid spins. So my warm-ups for my private lessons are 30 spins in a row where I'm doing like just once around da, 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 da. It's very technique heavy and it requires, and again, going back to that physical activity, mental health aspect, it forces me to understand how to move my muscles, how to move my body in a way that I would never have that level of control over my body when I'm doing Bollywood dance or when I'm doing some other modern form of dance. Um, and that's what makes classical dance special. I and mean, it makes me so excited. It's, it's very, very, you have to think a lot about it in order to be good at it. Yeah. You have to train hard. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, like my experience in like university with like, uh, uh like with like doing like more hip hop, K-pop, it was like a lot easier to watch like beginner dancers like get good in this style because it was like, I don't know. It's not like, uh, of the range that we did in that club, it was like still very similar. And of the range that's out there, there's very few things that are different. Like there's a general hip hop style and then there are more unique things like break dancing and like pop and lock. And those are more technically based because I can like, like you're gonna need to have just more de- more degree of control for the for like right. Those kind There's of ways to do like a specific way to do those types of steps. Yeah, but, but like the more general like hip hop K-pop style, there it doesn't require like the same level of like training. Like the most difficult thing is a body roll. If that you know, right? Like, it's not. And you're <laughs> also more free to add your own like quote unquote add your own flair to those modern styles of dances, which again, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's super cool. Um, it's, it's also very, just, you know, very different from classical where yeah. everything's controlled. There, there is a way to do it. Which, and if you're not doing it that way, you're doing it wrong. And that doesn't really exist within modern dance styles. No, it does not. In the way that it does with classical dance. Which also, that brings me to my next question. Like, and I know this is like, like definitely true in like the modern um, like like modern dance, like 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 modern dance, like the the style, not modern dance, like the general term. Um, mm-hmm. um like what is like Katak's like approach to? Uh, okay, let, let, let me preface this with the way because I don't know I don't know how to word this question, but like okay, so in Chinese dance, it's more rare to see like original choreography. Like you're taking a dance that has existed within this like this sphere 
and then you're applying it to your group. And most changes that happens, it's sometimes if something's really technically difficult for the level of dancers that this dance is given to, you ch change that. Or if there's or if there's a section like, oh, this is really easy, you can do something that's more impressive, um, then you change that to kind of fit to like basically highlight the skill of skills of your dancer. But the overall like. I've been calling them like motifs um, of the dance stay the same. Like in the sim similarly, there are certain gestures to represent like certain characters in Katak. They're in Chinese dance. They're like certain like for each dance, there's like a set of like movements that are like repeated and recontextualized, not necessarily like in combos, but like just like for each dance, there's like, I, like when I right. watch one, there's like, a, like, I'm like, oh, that's a movement that's, that's just it's repeated throughout the dance. Like it's just that's just like a, like a hallmark right. to identify like this dance kind of like, this, this this dance specifically kind of thing. So like but like you know like in K-pop but the thing is like at the same time like I, I guess they're technically dance covers because it's not the it's not an original choreography. But like at the same time right. you don't know who the choreographer is. It's just somebody at some point made this dance and then it's been redone multiple times subsequently over by lots of people. Over. But like in hip hop or K-pop it's like oh this is a co cover original choreography is original choreographer is this person or like like I don't know like what's what's Katak's like approach to that so Katak there's a couple different um examples of this there are certain pieces so for example Tarana Tarana is a piece and I I think I'm gonna butcher this history a little bit um so I'll, I'll stay a little broad just so I don't say anything wrong but um it's based in using like Persian syllables and instruments and that is like a specific type of dance but there's lots of ways to do tarana um like the choreography can be slightly different within the katak style but we kind of have the same idea of things being passed down from generation and that's actually i haven't even touched on this a little bit yet i think this is what my brain fart was about earlier but um there are certain things that are passed down from teacher to student to teacher to student to teacher to student to teacher to student. To teacher to student. And I think that that is just so beautiful that there is this like oral tradition. Um, you know, you, you learn about like epic stories in, in history class and how there's an oral tradition of passing stories down. And I have that with dance. So for example, um, I'll go into a little bit of explaining music theory. Um, the atal. Atal is the name of the rhythm that you are using. And that would be, I guess, analogous to anybody who understands how to read Western music, um, like your quote unquote, your time signature. So for example, if you're reading a, a piece of music in four, four time, you know that that piece of music has four beats in each measure and your piece is going to be a multiple of four beats long. S sort of similar idea. Thal is the basic thal that you learn. It's the first one that you learn. I've learned seven, but thal is the basic one. And it contains 16 beats. And the way that you say that is um, and that's 16 syllables to represent the 16 beats of thal, And it's divided into four segments. And again, if you could see my hand, you could see how I'm counting that, but um, that's not really relevant. Um, and there's pieces that fit within a thal. So in order for something to fit within a thal, it has to fit that 16 beat um, framework. It, so your piece will be a multiple of 16 beats long and it'll end on the first beat of the next cycle. So 
16 n plus one is how long your piece is. Um, and there's so many pieces that fit into Tindal. You can create an infinite number of pieces and I could write my own, I could make them up myself, I can compose them myself. And that's something that I, I work on a lot in my practice. But there's also pieces that have been passed down from teacher to student to teacher to student to teacher to student. And the words of these pieces stay the same. And again, part of being a Katak dancer is understanding theory as well as dance. So I have to know these words. I have to know the words of these pieces. And then I can create choreography that goes on top of those words. Typically, the words of the pieces never change. And those are the things that are passed down. But the choreography does change. And it was actually really interesting. The other day I opened up Instagram and I follow a bunch of Katak dancers on Instagram. And at the very top of my feed is this video of someone saying and performing the exact same piece that I had learned like two weeks earlier. Same words, same thal, same everything. But the choreography was completely different. So it's in that way, it's super fascinating. Um, I can actually give an example of a piece that I've learned in, in Tintal, um, if you're interested, but it, it's, so that's how things are passed down. The dance isn't necessarily different, but the words are all the same. And those are passed down and kept as a repertoire. A lot of Catholic dancers will have notebooks just full, again, I'm looking at my notebook full of pieces that I've learned. Um, I don't know how much of that was rambling and how much made sense, but there you go. <laughs> I was following that if that gives any any indication. Oh, I'm, I'm happy, but I also have like a point of reference <laughs> of like yeah, to... a little bit. I feel like if you don't have a point of reference, that might have been quite confusing. Um, I feel like people... there's actually a tabla player that explains it very, very well. Oh. If you go on I, on Instagram or YouTube, his name is Nilamjit at N I L A M J I T, I believe. I think his name, it's like that music, Nilamjit music um, on Instagram and YouTube. And he has so many videos that explains like this, this um, technicality super, super well. And in a way that I, as a dancer, probably couldn't explain it in that level of detail. But I, again, I love learning about it. So that's been my YouTube rabbit hole recently was his YouTube channel. Fair. I, a lot of my YouTube suggestion has been a, a lot of Chinese dance recently. Which actually brings uh -huh. to me to this like little pet peeve that I have, because as a result, and we all know that every, all of your devices are listening, right? Um, always, so, always listening. The ads I've been getting on YouTube is for Shenyun, and I hate Shenyun. Oh. oh yeah, I've heard a lot of things about them. Oh yeah. Huh? Okay, oh, good. I'm aware. Good. I'm aware. Good. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, there's no um, Gatuk cults that are trying to recruit people across the U.S., as far as I know. See, and that's why I hate Shenyun. They're dirtying the name of Chinese dance actively. And, like, that's uh. people's frame of reference generally for Chinese dance. But what kills me is that there, I know for fact that right now in circulation, there are two Shenyun ads. I have, I've been getting the one genuine ad. So it's like, it's like add, add salt to injury. It's the same goddamn ad over and over again. Like, no, they the, didn't give you the other one. They, <laughs> no, they won't. Like, it'll be like a double ad on YouTube. It's like, are you kidding me? The same ad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, and God. like Shen Yun's not going to be in Phoenix until February. So guess who's going to be with this goddamn Shen, this one go- goddamn Shen Yun ad until February. <laughs> I don't envy you. And like, well, now that we're talking about it, I will probably also start getting these ads, unfortunately. <laughs> and you know how like share in your misery. <laughs> and like, you know how like, like the the only reason why I know that there are two Shen Yun ads in, in circulation is because it accidentally gave me the other one once. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what the worst part is? So I'm researching mm. for Chinese dance, my, my deep dive ep- episodes, and the most reliable website that I can find. Oh no. Is it the Shen Yun website? Yeah. So, uh, so I'm like linking like, oh, this is the article that I used when I was uh, researching for this episode. I just, I just tried to avoid that. Like, I don't, I don't want to link the Shen Yun website. Do not. No, that, that seems like you're recruiting for a cult I, yeah <laughs> it's actually really interesting because like the adults know that like Shen Yun's not the shit but they tend to be like first generation um but the kids they're like I don't know I just know Shen Yun is probably not the shit and I'm like it's not just probably not the shit it's actually not the shit <laughs> it's definitely not it is definitely not like I was recording with like my friend and she goes isn't like Shen Yun like like a cult or something and I'm like no no, no it's not like a cult or something it is a cult period <laughs> it is a cult I'm glad that Kathak doesn't have like the Shen Yun equivalent <laughs> I'm also glad uh <laughs> That there's no like the cults going around, or if there is I don't one, I know how that would work. They're not doing very well. They're not, they, they don't got. They, one, they're not doing very well. <laughs> they don't got the funds. <laughs> <laughs> and let's keep they're it that way. For billboards, their endless shows and uh, cult recruitment tactics. Which, again, very glad for that. I would rather be, you know, one a voice not the voice definitely not the voice but a voice uh spreading the word about what katak is and how cool it is how much i love it yeah i'm i'm, I'm glad like uh like my i don't have a lot of like experience with like other like dance styles like, just like in general like I, I within like my memory i don't have lots of memories of like even like going to like watch like the ballet or anything so right. like um i think i've seen you dance like within like the the clearest memory that I have of, of you dancing was senior year when you're doing you did like your bell solo like with the bells yeah oh the bells actually the bells are oh my gosh how did I not even bring this up one of my favorite things about Katak in the world is that the bells are always there so uh for those who don't know what, you're, what I'm talking about Katak dancers wear something called gungurus and gungurus uh a little bit of an onomatopoeia there going on my latin Greek knowledge there, <laughs> but it's a long string. Mine, because I've been dancing for so long, are a hundred bells each, and they get tied around your ankles, and they're quite heavy. Um, and the heaviness is actually for a purpose. It's because when you're doing lots of super fast turns, the heavy bells on your ankles keep you grounded and keep you from falling and losing balance. Physics. Um, but it's also for when you're doing physics, <laughs> or when you're doing the super loud footwork. Um, I have them right here, actually. And when I'm doing that super fast footwork that I gave you the example of earlier, not only can you hear my feet like slapping against the floor, but you also hear the sounds of the bells. Um, Cause Katak is a barefoot dance. We don't wear shoes. We don't, we, um, and it's really just a lot of footwork, a lot of turns. And the only thing you're wearing are, are the bells. So 
uh, when I, when you saw me senior year, that was a, um, that was actually a, a Thal piece in Thin Thal. So kind of what I was just talking about. And actually I'm reusing a lot of the ones from, from that performance a couple years ago for this performance that I'm working on now. Um, so it's, it's super fascinating, but yeah, the bells are a huge component. The gungurus are a huge component of being a kapak dancer. And um, it's a big deal when you graduate from say 25 bells per ankle to 50 to a hundred. Um, my teacher was telling me, I think she got up to 150 or 175 bells per ankle, but this bag weighs like maybe five, six pounds. Oh like, it's not an insignificant weight mm -hmm. that I'm adding to my body. So not only am I like doing the super fast footwork, but I'm doing it with an extra couple pounds of weight mm -hmm. stacked onto my ankles that I have to be able to resist. Um, my calves are very strong, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> so right now what I'm working on is, uh, so there's a tradition in uh, any Indian classical art style, whether it's dance, music, um, singing, but there's a, a point that you reach where you have learned everything that a classical artist is expected to know. For, mm -hmm. So for me, that's the seven thals that I learned, um, the music theory behind it. And there's a certain level that I've reached. And once you've reached that level, so in my school, it's seven, um, seven years of curriculum, but it took me about 10 years to complete those seven years um, worth of information where you do a graduation. And in Katak, that graduation is called Arangmanch Pravesh. And this is a really, like, it's a big deal. It's a prestigious thing to be doing. Um, and it's sort of your debut in the world as a dancer, as a qualified um, dancer and not a student of dance. And so mine will be sometime in the fall of next year. You will definitely be getting an invite, Anna. Um, and it is going to be like a maybe two-something hour solo performance. And so the, the rehearsal that I'm, I'm actually leaving in probably 45 minutes for this rehearsal, um, but it's me work, uh, working on the stamina to be able to do that type of performance. Because even after 19 years of training, there's a difference between training in a group and training solo. And the type of stamina and the type of attention to detail that you get in a private lesson versus in a room where you're in a room of like six people and one person watching over six dancers. Um, I've learned, even just in this past year, I've learned so much. And that just goes to show, as a dancer, you're never done learning, you're never done training. I've completed my training in the technical sense, but I'm never going to be done getting better. I can mm -hmm. always learn more, I can always practice more, I can always learn a new technique. And um, that's what this Rung Lunch process is certifying me to do, is that I have the solid classical foundation that I could continue to my learn, continue to train, and um, continue to expand my cup of knowledge. So um, that's super fun. I, I really love getting to have that one-on-one -on -one time with my teacher. I really respect her. She's an amazing person, amazing dancer. And it's very special that I get to have this time to really hone my, my skill because I... I don't doubt that I'm a good dancer. I know that I'm a good dancer. I know that I know all my stuff, but I'm taking it up that extra level. Mm -hmm. um, which again, having something that you can progress in and feel good about progressing in. It's very exciting. Oh, for sure. It was funny. When I was studying for the MCAT a couple of years ago, um, 
I was staying at my parents' house and every like my, my routine, I would wake up every morning and I'd set up at the table and I would just, you know, grind out my MCAT studying for six, seven, eight hours a day. And my mom loves to tell the story that under the desk, literally every day, absentmindedly, my feet would just be going, just coming up with new footwork routines over and over. I had no idea I was even doing it. To the point that my mom looks at me and she like takes a video of me like I'm up on the top taking notes and on the bottom my feet are just going it's like those videos of ducks where mm-hmm. on, the, on the surface they're just like very chill and calm and under the under the water their feet are just going <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I would do and she always likes to say like oh katak is ingrained in your soul and it really is it really really is I find myself like thinking about it talking about it composing thals composing thoras practicing footwork at just like any moment of any day in my brain on it's just it's always there which brings i guess this brings me to to like our like maybe probably penultimate question um uh because i know there's someone that i was talking to that like and their answer was very clearly like yes but like if you have kids one day would you like forcefully enroll them in cut that classes Forcefully is a strong word. I mean, I forcefully in a sense, in the same way that like you were enrolled against your will. That, like I was forcefully put into <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I think I would. Um, I would love to pass this tradition on. And if my kids end up not liking it, whatever, I'll find, I'll find them something that they do like. Um, I think it's really important for kids to have something. I don't care what it is, but I want my kids to have something. If it's not the fuck... Um, I've also played with the idea of just making them my own personal little tabla players. So just not even putting them in dance and putting them in tabla so that I can just make them <laughs> practice with me so I can keep <laughs> dancing with my kids. Um, <laughs> uh, but also, if it's not that, if it's not that, like, if it's not tabla, if it's not something cultural, like art classes, uh, maybe an American dance style, there's just something. I want I want my kids, if I have kids, to have something that's theirs that they can love in the same way that I love Katak, that they can devote themselves to in the way that I've devoted myself to Katak. Um, but yes, Katak will definitely be one of the things that we try when they're little and, and fingers crossed, hope it sticks. <laughs> oh, I think that's actually honestly a perfect way to end this episode. Obviously this, this, uh, this podcast, it's not just about Chinese dance. It's just, it's just about like dance things in general, like, um, gripes I have in like the dance community or like dancers and like kind of like generally the bad reputation that the identifier label dancers have yeah and uh just like stuff my experience and stuff but you know this episode was like I don't know this this was a very fun episode for me to to I had so record. much fun like I learned so I'm many so things happy we did this <laughs> I learned so many things and now I'm better prepared for for your graduation performance I'm so excited for you to see it, honestly, because you haven't seen me dance since I was 18 years old, and I'm better than I was when I was 18. I would hope. <laughs> I would hope. Like, I, I'm very excited for it, for, 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 for this. Now I have, like, more background knowledge, instead of just, like, sitting through this two-hour performance, be like, yeah, it looks good, don't know, any, don't know anything else, don't have any other, other comments. <laughs> you know, there's even more that I could explain. I think I really just scratched the surface on so much of it. Um, I would love to come back for another episode. I would love to have you back. On, but yay. I would love to have you back. It's an open invitation to anyone that, that, that who's like guesting on my podcast. Amazing. <laughs> I will be back, and I will be talking more about Katak. I will be giving examples. I will be 
maybe more organized. Maybe I'll have more coffee before I start. <laughs> I'm more organized in my thoughts. But um, I would love to have you back. Thank you so much for for taking the time out of your schedule to record with me. It was Thank great. you for having me. Of course. It's so good to catch up with you too. I know. Uh, we don't, we don't, I feel like we, whenever we talk, we always have a great time, but both of us are at the age where we're like, yeah, let's get in touch. And then we just don't talk to each other. And then we just, and then we just don't, but then we can just pick off, pick up wherever. Yeah. It's great. I love Crazy. this. Adult friendships. <laughs> Adult friendships. Okay. I'll let you go. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Anna. Bye.